Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to Season 4 and the 92nd episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Jeff Dauto, a workplace learning and performance improvement professional based in the Portland, Oregon metropolitan area. His interests in learning and development include learning organisations, has led him to be interested in the new view of safety and he sees himself as a fellow traveller of sorts. He has curated a collection of books in the New View space. In 2021, many safety practitioners contributed to a guide called the New Safety Guide that was compiled and edited by Jeff. In 2022, Jeff pulled together another amazing band of contributors to create a follow-up called the Success Stories Guide. The 2021 New Safety Guide was intended to introduce people to what's sometimes called the new view of safety, including such things as human and organisational performance, safety differently, safety too, human performance improvement and resilience engineering. The 2022 Success Stories Guide was intended to provide an opportunity for people to tell real stories of real performance improvements they help implement at real workplaces. Why? Because storytelling is a great way to learn and because we can all draw inspiration and lessons from the stories of successes that others share. So please sit back and enjoy this multi-part series with myself and Jeff Dalto. And even just recently, the, the work we've been doing with Jeff Lith around the four Ds, or as yeah, we, I like that stuff, as we call it, the Trojan Mouse, as as we call it, um, it really has two different purposes because we we wanted it. So I was talking to someone today, and they said, "Well, you know, the organisations we find it slightly offensive that use the word dumb," and we're saying, "Well, but the word dumb." dangerous, difficult, different is through the lens of the worker. Right. Not through the yeah. organizational lens. Yeah. Yeah. Because Again, every day like, workers are having to make sense of the system they have to live in and operate in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know dumb is, um, oh, yeah, uh, no, I'm, not shocked to hear, I'm not shocked to hear you have that problem, right? It, it, <laughs> it's great because it fits nicely with the four Ds, but you're, you're exposing yourself to the fact that somebody might feel that you're you're saying they're dumb, um, but but I, I like I like you're safe. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but, because you know, because I, it's yeah. it's not about the organization. No, it's about the yeah. worker's perspective of the system. Right, and it it all gets back to what we you know I think yeah. it all gets back to is that we we'd all do better if we we had more conversations with more people, including the people who are doing the work. I'd actually, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, with the, the rise in the DE&I movement in the last mm -hmm. couple of years, if that's really going to help hop, because it's, they're so clearly associated and, and, and DE&I so clearly supports the point that hop is, you know, or new view is making, yeah. right? 
So you would think that as DE and I efforts uh, come about and as inclusion efforts come about, that that new view should benefit. Yes. Yeah. But let, let's not forget that, you know, one of Hop's core principles that remains the same today is to continue to build defenses that manage the source of the risk. Right. And that might be like where we're starting to get into different camps with like uh, the safety differently and the resilience engineering and uh, like the focus on defenses or something. Um, but but yeah, I totally agreed with Hop and, and Todd seems to talk more about defenses than, than so, some other people do. Yeah, but, because but I agree with you. Yeah, because um, we're in the process of writing our next book at the moment and we're, oh, yeah? we're not too far away. Good luck from... on it. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, um, you get into a role and, and it's actually okay, but we're trying not to repeat anything. We're trying to evolve. That's the whole idea. We're trying to evolve it. Um, and, you know, one of the, one of the things that we're talking about in the new book is the fact that, um, you know, the, the, the job of uh, risk management around managing types of risks is that we're trying to remove uncertainty of risk by introducing certainty. And, and I think that's become more apparent with COVID, where we face lots of uncertainty. Sure, and sure. And we quickly worked out that um, it, it was multiple layers of defenses that gave us the best potential outcome with something that was going to continue to evolve and break through. Right, right. So the thinking we've been looking at is um, organizations focus a lot on how they reduce risk. Yeah, and and at the end of it, they then are left with something called residual risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they pass it off to the workers, and somehow the workers magically fix it. Right, right. But or no one asks or why. suffer from it. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they ask when they don't fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. but they don't ask how they fixed it. Yeah. So I have this irony that the entire brains trust the organisation does all this work. And the stuff that is left over then somehow ends up in the domain of the worker to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and uh, many times they do quite well at it, right? They do. But if that stuff they're dealing with, we call that the gray space. If that gray space has the potential to cause a life-changing event. Sure. Then yeah. what is our plan to do better? Right, I would just, uh, the, but that's missing. Go ahead. I was just doing an inter, I was doing a little classroom. Uh, I'm I'm studying for my master's degree right now, and right. We're, I was doing this little quantitative interview thing with a safety uh, industrial hygienist actually, who was teaching safety management at an American uh, mm -hmm. university this past during the, the pandemic, and, and 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 she she just said frankly. Um, I just think there's a lot of risk transfer going on here. And, and the school is just transferring it down mm -hmm. to the teachers and, and the students. Mm -hmm. And, you know, good luck at that point. Yeah. And, and, and to, to a degree, I think that's what you're, you're, you're saying there too. At work, we, tr we manage certain risks and then we transfer others to the workers and good luck to them. Um, yeah. and, and in many cases, the workers 
you know, successfully navigate it, right? Um, other other times, not so much so. But but we don't know how or why. Right, right. How or why? And if we knew yeah. how or why, we, we we could improve our own risk management efforts at a, at a broader level and Ab- not just absolute. transfer it down. Correct. So. And sort of the thinking, and, and you know, we're, we're still firming these things up in our head, but the thinking is that stuff that the organization puts in, um, we call that the known knowns, so a bit of Donald Rumsfeld yeah. coming out, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the bit the workers are dealing with, we call those the unknown knowns. Right, exactly. Yeah, unknown yeah. to the organization. Well, poss- possibly unknown. Possibly known to the workers or to the work team. Yeah, that's what but, you're hoping a, it, it is. But in many cases, a lot of it is being driven by making do. Yeah, and they, they, they it, that's where I think systems thinking is kind of interesting, and in, in the the emergence issue, right? Because there there will be things that are maybe unknowns to the management, mm-hmm. but known to the worker, right? Yeah. But but these emergent things uh, that can come up because of systems issues and, and uh, complexity. Those aren't going to be known to the worker either. Those are pretty, pretty interesting, I think. And, and I think that's where Eric's work around weak signals is powerful. Yeah, yeah. And we're trying to pay homage to Eric's work by um, the work that we're doing around everyday learning, which is to take not only what workers say, but how they say it, so that we can. Um, see those underlying patterns of weak signals, but also by how they say it, look for that emotional sentiment around their coping within that system. Yeah, I like Gary Wong when he talks about uh, discussing those kind of worker narratives as well. Yeah, yeah, because and and that stuff actually goes right back to a guy called uh, uh, Walter Schuart. Oh, yeah, yeah. The PDSA guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah In yeah. the 1930s, he said that, yeah. that when we collect information, there is both data and noise. Yeah. And it's yeah. hard to distinguish the difference between data and noise. Well, again, we're back at Lean. We're back at Deming and his yeah. you know, predecessor, Stuart, right? A hundred yeah. years ago. Yeah, right, coming up to a right. hundred years ago. Right. Which is why it's funny sometimes to call this the new view of safety or, yeah. or, or say it's all new. But, but yeah, that, yeah. back then, the computing power was tabulators. <laughs> now, yeah. now we have yeah. AI. We have AI. We have machine learning. We have, you know, all the amazing. I wanted to analyze some of that stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Which would be useful because it's not yeah. easy to analyze it as, as one human. Well, because humans. Um, aren't great at seeing patterns or trends. Once they can see it, and I think this is the power of AI, AI can help us see it. But once they, once humans see it, we're really good at making sense of it by looking at the narrative. Right. Or looking at what right. lies under, 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 underneath, which is what you know Gary talks about with that, that narrative. But, yeah, Gary Walks, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but being able to see those weak signals is actually yeah. really difficult as a, as a human, and, and we, we the analogy we use we call it the forest from the trees. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just a whole lot of stuff, and it all looks the same. Yeah. So what what's your new book uh, going to be about? 
Uh, so, so it's actually the the working title is is around um, using the four Ds and and hop and learning teams. Okay. For operational learning. Okay, cool. Um, I look forward to seeing that. When 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 should I be looking for that? Uh, early twenty twenty three. All right. Yeah, early right. twenty twenty. That's that's the goal, the objective. Um, what's again a collaboration with ourselves, with uh, Jeff and a bit of Todd. Is, is the objective and I suppose what what are we trying to do we're trying to take that Trojan mouse strategy <laughs> which is to basically say rather than looking at hop or learning teams as a transformation why don't we just try a few things at the front line to help leaders see operational learning in play and I think that's a great idea. Curiosity amongst those leaders by seeing the value or the potential of it and to get that appetite going. I think it's a great idea. And again, I think there are other things going on in operations that are analogous. And, and, and you know, uh, I, maybe safety people do, this, do a disservice by trying to say this is incredibly novel and new. You've never heard it before suggesting you'll never be able to do it it's freaky it's esoteric it's exotic and and and, and a lot of it's not actually all that different than a, than a kaizen event no no and or a gamble or a gamble walk or a gamble absolutely all all very similar things i think yeah. what's what's different is that w w we see there is a distinction between what we call dynamic risk and static risk. What do those mean? So, so what it means is dynamic risk is where the risk is well known. Okay. But it's but when that risk becomes present, is constantly changing. Okay. Okay. So if if I think of an example, if I've got a piece of plant and machinery and it's fixed, yeah, that's static risk. Okay. Okay. I know the machine can do one of seven things to me. Yeah. But I, if I now think of that, that piece of machinery as being a mobile piece of plant, and that mobile piece of plant operating within different environments and different times and in different activities, that risk has suddenly become dynamic. That makes sense. So is that like, how does that, how does dynamic risk uh, equate with emergence uh the the difference is it's well known okay yeah. yeah and it's talked about so often as being bad that we normalize it yeah yeah you don't think about it anymore because we're talking about it we're you not talking about it so much you don't think about it yeah <laughs> because we're yeah. not talking about its context we're talking about its presence or absence yeah, that's the problem with a lot of like off-the-shelf safety training, right? You're you're talking about yeah. so, associated so if I think, hazards and risks. So if I think about construction, you know, everyone can tell me, you know, falls from height, you know, suspended loads, exclusion zones. Everyone right. can rattle off a list of all the big things that can kill you. Right. Okay. But everyday people are working near suspended loads, working near mobile plant, 
<laughs> within context, within context. And that's how we yeah. learn too. We, we learn by yeah. applying within context. But the problem here is that because our safety systems are so heavily built around assessment-based or evaluative, because our safety systems are so focused around assessment-based or evaluative-based. Okay, okay. You know, so here's the checklist for the site. Yeah. Here's, here's the uh, lifting plan for the job, mm -hmm. okay? They are basing recall. And they're basically asking the worker to give permission to the system. I've got no idea how the system saves you. So what we're exploring with things like the 4Ds, what we're doing is we're exploring the different types of hazard situations that can arise and that nature of the work that you're doing. Yeah, the contextual elements of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, did, we, I just don't think we learn in a context-free manner. Uh, so, so, um, so part of what we've been exploring is this notion that, so say if I look at the construction industry, um, we plan to do the work. We know that that work evolves during the day. And we know that work is done was never the same as what the plan was. That is normal. So by having a reflective process, which allows us to reflect across those three things, we get the workers to share where they have to make do. So mm -hmm. we're getting them to use a, a, a critical appraisal technique mm -hmm. to share where they've had to make do. So not what went well, what didn't go well, because that's judgment-based, but try to give them an appraisal base. I'd love to build that kind of stuff into safety training. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then based on the themes that come from that making do, we then want those workers from time to time to choose one of those themes and do a slightly deeper dive to build that critical thinking component. What would, how would, what would that mean? How would one build that so, critical so, thinking? Deeper so for, dive to build a critical thinking component. Yeah, so, 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 so what we've been working on is some, a concept called some guided facilitations that the work teams do. Okay. So an example might mean, right, so guys, um, in the last two weeks, one of the themes that have been coming through has been around, um, you know, the risks of falling from height. Okay. Okay. Classic one. Yeah. Um, so the first part of the first part of the conversation is, what do we rely on to save us from being hurt when we work at height? Yep. And the guys will recall some information, you know. Um, lanyards, you know, attaching, full protection, all, all the normal things, okay? Right. And sometimes those things don't line up what the organization believes, but that's what the guys, we call the STRM, stuff that really matters, what they think matters. And then what we do is we get them to think about a situation over the last period of time. And we say to them, and can you think of a situation when you've been working at height 
when um, it hasn't made sense to you or it's, it hasn't felt right. It's been different from what you thought it would be or it's been more difficult for you. So we yep, use the yep. four Ds to create that, that structure for them to you know, resonate with that. Yep, yep. To think through that. And then we ask the questions like, and we say to them like, and in that situation, were you having to take risks? Were you having yeah. to avoid risks? Were you having to manage risks? Right. In right. that situation, were you having to use the rules? Were you having to not use the rules? Were you having to change the rules? Or were you having to make new rules up? Right. right. So we take them through this thing around looking at some system factors. And uh -huh. in their head, you can see the brain's ticking over. Right. And, and it, there's a few other things that they go through. And we, and we say to them, and in that situation, um, uh, was the system uh, too much? Was it too little? You know, so we just say to them, you know, in that situation, how did the system help you? Right, that? right. And then what we do is we then ask them, so thinking about that situation, imagine where the situation had been much worse. Right. What could have happened? Yeah, that's a, I, you know, like, I think when someone's new to the yeah. job, there's a ton of value to, to, to a certain kind of safety training. Um, and I've benefited from it as a, like an English major going into manufacturing yeah. plants. And, but I think the value of that training ends really quickly. And yeah. it's, I, I'm sure it's kind of similar where you are, but of course in the U S there, there's mandatory, you know, yearly training. Refreshers, the exact absolutely. Yeah. 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 Always, yeah. always that. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a certain amount of things you're just required to, to do um, by law. So you've got to do those, but, but those are the kind of things, the kind of things you just said there. Once, once I've already told someone like, this is what a lanyard is. I, I, I can't see a lot of value in telling them what a lanyard is for the next 10 years on an annual yeah. basis. And, and the kind of thing you're talking about right there, uh, I, even if you do have to like nod your head to certain compliance requirements, I, I think that kind of learning event is really what safety training should be all about. Yeah, but what we're trying to do is we are using curiosity, which I think is something that is natural to us. So sure. it's, it's not nurture, it's nature. Yeah, yeah. And we're trying to use curiosity to then trigger and build critical thinking skills, which are nurtured. Right, and which don't come from sitting in a chair watching a slideshow no. while someone tells you about five no. hazards. Um, yeah. And and if I think about the world I came from, say, and I still I still lecture the diploma in safety. Um, you know, you can either deliver something that is assessment based, or you can deliver something that is evidence based. And and our thinking is about evidence based. So right. by by having some form of self facilitation that the work group does, we don't need everyone in the work group to be on the same page. In actual fact, we prefer them not on the same page because that creates more conversation. Right. But what we know, if we can get a core set of that team building on that, they will pull the others up. Right, right. 
because it's not about having it's not about having everyone at the same level because that's just not possible it's about having that core group because in those types of industries those teams are constantly changing yeah but like you said you you're you're hopefully pulling everybody up in a general direction even if not not everybody's on the same level absolutely and then the other side of it is where we've explored uh the routineness of work meaning meaning that you're always doing the same job yeah okay and the thing about routineness it is the enemy of learning Right, this is where the word complacent comes up. Well, that, that's the language we use to, to try to <laughs> yeah, explain yeah, yeah. something that's really, really complex. Yeah, but, yeah. But the thing there is there is still minor change happening in routine work. Sure. And if we don't deliberately take time to reflect on that work over a period of time, we won't see those small changes. Fair point. Fair point. So that's the other side of it. So, you know, we're going from dynamic risk. We try to build those critical skills because it's those critical static skills risk. That, that, that matter to static yeah. risk where you're trying to avoid that notion of complacency <laughs> right? by right. getting people to see that things have changed and to right. be curious about why they've changed. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense as well. Which, if you think about it, that goes back to Deming's work. <laughs> that, I haven't read as much as Deming as I should have, so I'll trust you on that. I've read some, yeah. but not everything. Because well, what he was saying is you, you could have three machine lines, three production lines, mm -hmm. yet the team could have three different state of work procedures. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. the team has worked out the most effective and efficient. They've optimized that work. Yeah. And yeah. what you're focusing on is the quality of the output. Yeah. Todd talks about that in one of his books. I can't remember what it is. There's a, they're trying to figure out something with the machine and, and, and they're wondering like if they should call, call back this old retired worker. Yeah. And, and, and someone says, no, no, don't call him. He never did anything. He used to just come in, twiddle a couple knobs on the machines and sit and read a magazine. Mm -hmm. but, but that guy, that guy mm -hmm. was the guy who never had the problem because yeah. his, his, twi his twiddles were, were, uh, fixing them absolutely so um so so you know that that notion there is that by getting people to reflect by getting to see that there is variation occurring that by trying to build some of that thinking skill that when a worker then faces when the machine or situation moves away from normal, they can ask themselves why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we can't train people in every scenario that can unfold. Right. In fact, we can't know what those scenarios will be. No. Yeah. No. It's um, not just a bandwidth of training time, but yeah. Well, it's just not, it's just yeah. not possible. Right. Um, so like all these things, and, and what we want to see is that we want to be able to show how that risk is ebbing and flowing and changing over time. Yep. Because there's always going to be 
the gap between work as imagined and work as done. We're trying to reduce that gap so it doesn't become a chasm. But the gap has to be present. Because change happens in small incremental steps. Yeah. I'm I'm really interested in trying to like figure out how to feed back information, how to provide feedback about work as performed to to the work as imagined side, even even if the work as imagined side never like will will never be perfect, right? But I'm really interested in, in that level of feedback. The feedback from the workers. Yeah, yeah the, the back back to them. And and um and again, uh I think safety training amongst other there's a million opportunities to have these kind of conversations, but I think safety training is a great opportunity to have those discussions. But as see, well. I think Lean did that really well with Gimba. Yeah, you're back to my point. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, so and and we would use similar techniques. But the yeah, difference I just, here is yeah. um, the gimba was an intervention. Right, right. It, There's it a was a deliberate di- intent. Right. So it's gamba plus humble inquiry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. what we're looking at is we're, we're wanting to do it on both sides. We're wanting the teams to self-improve through their dialogue where they don't need feedback. Right. Because those workers are always problem solving in their own domain. So here you have Kaizen. Yep. And then we want the organization to see the themes that are coming from that. Yeah. And that's that's the feedback I'm talking about. It's like yeah. talking back, you know, like because because those that's one of the things that I found most interesting the first time I talked with Todd Conklin, or maybe the first time I heard him talk or something like that. Was was at the end of a learning team, but it doesn't need to be a learning team. It could be what you're talking about as well. Share the story. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And otherwise, you you could even make a, a little siloed improvement, but it doesn't. It's not dispersed throughout the organization. It's not innovated in slightly different ways in different contexts. Yeah. That that that's one of the things I think is most interesting about the whole uh, performance improvement thing is how to share the story. Yes, and at least I think Jeff has a talk. Uh, Jeff Lith talks about share across, share up, and share out. No, I haven't seen that, but that's yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got to be multiple levels. But the issue here is what you end up doing, or sorry, the potential danger is then flooding people with with lots of data. So yeah, one of the so so the. the the counter to that that we've been exploring is that the work team self-improve through their own reflective process. Okay. Yep. The organization sees those trends that are coming through from as that a process result. as a result. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They then run a learning team, which is a slightly deeper dive to, to understand that success. And part of that learning team output is what we are currently calling a storyboard. And tell, tell me about that. So what we've built, uh, once again, using some of Deming's principles, <laughs> is something called an A3 learning team storyboard. Okay. okay. So yeah. anyone from a senior leader in the business 
all the way down to a frontline worker can look at the storyboard, see themselves in it, and take a learning from it. Right. Yeah, so that's great. I, it's a, a way to tell a story in a manner which is easily consumable by people at the workplaces that you're yep. working with. Yeah. Yeah. And the frame, so, so the storyboard is built on the principles of hop and learning teams. Mm-hmm. The storyboard is made up of eight key frames that say, for instance, go from the story of uh, workers imagined versus workers done. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All the way through to, you know, what we've learned, you know, the improvements, how we've shared it, all that. So, so it's like a story, takes you through a story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But within each of those frames are tools that the organization can bring in and take out as the maturity of the facilitator or as the maturity of the organization changes over time. So do you guys talk about that? We, we this, start, I know we, you talk we, about the A3. We, we, we start the conversation, but in the last Started, two years, right. we, we have been... Yeah doing it and I've, I've seen you talking about the next to come yeah yeah and yeah. i gotta tell you um people love it i'd like to see it when it's, when they, it's ready. They, they really love it because it's not it's not a report <laughs> it's a storyboard it's a narrative yeah well that story again um yeah. and, and it's not yeah. it's not a fixed format and that they always have to look the same. So, so the example, um, uh, I had one organization and they were very wedded to an investigation model that they used. Okay. So for me to tell their guys that that model was, you know, was hopeless and didn't work, was just going to create too much rub and friction. And the analogy that I used is imagine we're trying to take people from being caged hens to free range. So you open you open the door of the cage, okay, and the and the chickens just don't come out and go running away and enjoying life, okay? They'll poke their head out, they'll have a look around, and they'll go back in. And over time, they will realise that to poking the head out, bringing their body out, is actually okay. And they'll explore, they'll do more as a result. And once they finally realise that being out and being organic, as we call it, and learning teams, that it's not scary anymore. And why would you go back? So we use the A3 as a way to bridge people from this highly structured process that they've always followed and that they have used as a narrative of completeness for an investigation right? to a learning team that is highly organic and allows you to go down lots of different pathways. Is that scary? Is it not scary? Going from fixed yeah, I just, structure to, to organic is scary. Welcome to Safety Differently Merchandise, the premium sponsor for the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. Our curated lines of inspirational clothing, headwear, cups, stationery and more, at Safety Differently Merchandise, is befitting of your Safety Differently journey. I am Arthur Taylor, Chief Designer. 
I have spent decades on Savile Row, and honored to bring my talents, for all fine purveyors and devotees of. Hop. Learning teams. Safety differently. Safety too. And the new view. Please visit the store, and purchase our fine goods at safety differently, merch.com. And now, back to the show.